Hi everybody, and welcome to And Then an Aeroplane, episode 23. I'm Autumn, I am joined by M. It's time for more Ghibli. This is our Ghibli podcast. Um, the 2010s continue. Um, nobody can stop them. <laughs> you know, actually, they are stopped. The line must be drawn here this far, no further. There will be no more 2010s anime. Uh, Ghibli took the decade off after this. <laughs> They really did. Yeah. Oh my god! I for some reason I thought we had one more, but no, they no. Took this a... is it. This is it until uh, the one that came out in December. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. After this, I you know like uh, what do I want like right after Kaguya, uh, Miyazaki was like I'm done. Uh, and then you know I guess Takahata died somewhere after this movie was made, and who knows, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, like, they were doing stuff, because, like, um, I think, uh, what's it called? I think Nino Kuni is after this movie. Um, I've never been sure how much they actually worked on Nino Kuni. I, I didn't play Nino Kuni because it looked like the most boring thing on Earth. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Much as like we've watched this, we've done this whole project. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna actually appraise every Ghibli movie, only to find that we were holding nothing but dust like <laughs> a year ago, and we were still here doing it. Now, uh, I looked at uh, Nino Kuni, and I was like, I like RPGs, but this seems like the most nothing, nothing that's ever been. I so when I. Somewhere after the podcast started, I was like, maybe I should find out what Nino Kuni is. And so I just went to go watch the cutscenes because they just animated the cutscenes. Mm. And within like 20 minutes, I was falling asleep and it was like 8 p.m. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> this is not this is not what I want, I don't think. Great. Um It's kind of cute though. I don't know. Sure. There's that little weird uh guy with the nose right yeah there's that little guy with the nose and then they made a sequel that's about like the president yeah i think you're like the yeah i think you're the king in that one so i'm sure it's a brandon sanderson you know classic yeah <laughs> should we talk about this movie uh yeah sure uh so this movie uh was uh, when marnie was there it is an adaptation of the book when marnie was there by john g robinson it came out in 19th july 2014 obama was still president uh, it was directed <laughs> by hiromasa yonibayashi it is uh written by uh, masashi ando keikaniwa hiromasa yonibayashi this is yonibayashi's last film before he leaves ghibli to go join studio panak i mm -hmm. assume that's how you say that yeah. And uh, then went on to a year after this to make Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is the movie that Netflix desperately wants you to think is a movie from Studio Ghibli. Uh, They're, that's it. They really try hard to like hide the fact that it is not actually a Ghibli movie. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, do you want to summarize this movie or you want me to summarize it? Uh, you can summarize it. Um, so, Anna is a sickly young an anime teen, and, um, she is living with foster parents, um, uh, her- Teen, teen is, teen is stretching the definition of teen, yeah. Preteen, 12. She's 12. I, I actually think it's interesting, the age choice here, because I think it's the only way this movie could possibly work. 
We'll All talk right. about it when we get there. Um, so, Anna is 12. She is sickly. Uh, she has asthma. Um, and her foster parents are like, hey, what if you went and spent the summer with your um, some relatives? I don't know if they were relatives of the foster parents or relatives of Anna's, but um, some some relatives... And you will, you know, they they live in the countryside. The air is nice and clean there. It's very pastoral. It's a great place to have a movie happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna is very sad all the time. And part of the reason that she's being sent away uh, is like, well, hey, she's depressed all the time. Maybe like sending, getting her a change of scenery will be good. Um, she goes, she tries to make friends. She's not very good at making friends. She calls somebody a fat pig. Um, and she starts having encounters with, uh, she's, well, she sees a mansion across the lake. Um, and she's like, Ooh, what's that mansion? And people are like, Oh, well, people lived there a long time ago, but not anymore. And she starts having like encounters with this ghost um that is kind of like i don't know how literal the ghost part of this movie is but she is encountering a ghost named marnie um they hang out they tell each other secrets they um marnie is also very sad because her parents um like show up once a year to have really lavish parties and for the rest of the year just have marnie live in their vacation home so that they don't have to talk to her um and what happens next? <laughs> um, Anna and Marnie um, keep hanging out. Uh, Anna is like losing track of time and like, you know, can't remember things. And um, like, it just keeps like turning up. It's in random places. Um, so like... It's unclear how much of this is just her, like, having delusions. Anyway, she meets a girl who's living in the mansion now, um, and that girl's like, hey, what if we just investigated this? And Anna's like, no, too busy hanging out with my ghost girlfriend. Um, And gradually, Marnie, uh, as a ghost, starts referring to Anna as Kazuhiko, and um, things keep getting, like, escalating, and... After a really big rainstorm, I'm really bad at summarizing things. After a really big rainstorm, um, Anna is sick, and um, her friend who lives in the mansion is like, Hey, I found um, some missing pages from um, Marnie's diary, and they go and talk to somebody that they've met a couple times um, who seems to know Marnie from the past, and this person explains, like, Oh yeah, Marnie wa- lived there, was very sad, and Kazuhiko was this boy who was always very kind to her growing up. They got married, um, but Kazuhiko died shortly thereafter. Marnie has um, Marnie has a baby, um, and like Marnie is like going through a lot and goes to a sanatorium sends uh her child away to boarding school um a lot of like strife over the years of um her child emily and marnie never understanding each other emily has a baby 
then dies in a car crash. This baby is Anna. They, like, the kind of, like, girlfriendy vibes are, like, totally dispelled as you find out that Marnie is the ghost of um, Anna's grandmother. And grandma uh, and Annie, blah, blah, Anna is very happy to learn all this and feels, like, cared for and feels like a connection to her past that she never felt before and is able to go back to her regular life in the city, uh, feeling a lot better, and the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie is was very funny. <laughs> I To you, I think, my experience of watching this movie was very funny to you, because I watched it over the course of last night and this morning. It was like, is this movie gay? I can't tell. And I just kept tweeting about that. And you just were like, knew what the movie was actually about. And that it's not gay. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got to the end. I kind of thought a lot of this movie was boring until like the, until you start to get to the reveals of like, the nature of like who Marnie was. Um, and then I thought the movie like really turned everything around in the last 30 minutes to make all of this really interesting. But for most of the runtime, I was kind of not interested. I don't know. <laughs> um, hmm. So the thing is, is that like the, the, the read of this movie being gay is there. Um, I feel like if you are not 12, it's impossible to not pick up on. Um, and is only like a thing that they can swerve out of because of the weird nebulous way childhood affection can work. Yes. Um, and, and the thing about this movie is that Anna and, and Marnie to a lesser extent, I guess, all feel like kids who are like at the very last summer that they could ever be kids like anna acts out in a way that like children act out even though she's 12 and it, it it's shocking because you're like oh this is like a, a a ghibli protagonist like why is she acting like a like a child half her age or whatever and because mm -hmm. sometimes being 12 means that you act out like a child because you're still a goddamn child yeah um and so, like, watching this stuff, I'm like, okay, it's never going to go to this. Is it just, like, dabbling in, like, class, uh, class S, like, you know, homoerotic nonsense, like some anime loves to do, fucking loves to do? Um, or is it going somewhere with it? And it ends up, like, not going to this is an actual relationship, but it does give you a space for these characters to, like, have this this relationship mean something that they went through in a way that like feels really profound and invested in more than like any of the romances we've seen in any of the Ghibli movies. Yeah. <laughs> Other than maybe only yesterday, right? Like, yeah. e like every time there's a romance in a Miyazaki movie, you're like, oh yeah, like this is the most compact shit in the world. Like nobody gives a shit that these <laughs> characters are gonna end up together. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um like it feels like it really once every once everything came together and like the nature of things was revealed for me it felt like oh i see how this is the summer that changes anna's life you know yeah. um in a way that like i'm really taken with whisper of the heart i actually i don't actually think that those kids are going to end up like together forever and ever you know mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah yeah and the movie leaves the space for like 
is this thing that she encounters like a ghost of Marnie? Is it like a like psychic resonance? Is it a time? Is she, is she literally traveling through time in this moment um, and interacting with the real Marnie who lived in this place like, you know, 60 years ago or whatever? And it, it leaves all that on the table. Just kind of think about like mm-hmm. this can easily be as profound for Marnie as it was for Anna. And we just don't get that because time erases learning things like that. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely a possible sp- possibility space in this movie where, like, Marnie grew up, had a daughter who seemed like she sucked and whatever and died and then had a granddaughter who she realized was the girl that she met when she was young and she was also in this weird space. Um, we don't get to know because she's gone by the time the movie starts. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, the heart of, of, like, a ghost story that works is the sadness of like people who are not there to fill in gaps, right? Like it's about missing information in an interpersonal way. Yeah. I think, I think maybe cause I like ghost stories, especially like this kind, like one of my favorite movies ever is the devil's backbone, which I think is like trading in this same sort of like what actually is a ghost, um, mm. sort of stuff. And I kind of wish that the movie had telegraphed it a little better. There's a line so there's a thing very early on as they're first driving into town um, where somebody's like, oh, there's the old grain silo. It's haunted in like such a way that is like, OK, it puts like ghosts on the table for this movie. But I felt like also like it made me think that ghosts were not going to be a thing in this movie or that like mm-hmm. um, that the like, ghosts were going to be like um a misdirection that the movie would throw at me and it was actually like what the movie was about and i was like oh shit i i put myself in the wrong headspace for this you know yeah it's weird because like the way marnie's presented you know that she is not real and the movie but the movie flirts with this where like anna thinks that she made up marnie like for more than half the movie like i needed a friend i'm having a bad time i clearly invented this character that's based on the doll i had as a kid like in the flashbacks you see her hold a doll that looks just like marnie yeah um and and when she gets when she gets the information that there is a person who lived here named Marnie from the diary when she meets Siaka, the young girl, she's like, wait a second, Marnie's real? I didn't just make this up. How is this possible? <laughs> um, and it gives it the sense of unreality that is because the movie sells the interactions between them so differently. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't just to, to to a ghost story more than it gestures to like a gauzy like cinematic mystery like when she meets marnie it's always like foggy days where no one else is around it like turns into picnic at hanging rock briefly mm-hmm. every time that they meet and it's incredible like i love the aesthetic of them just kind of wandering through the wilderness in a world where like seemingly everyone evaporated but them in these moments um it's like it's like poignant for like what childhood is like and it's like a good visual and it really makes the relationship work but it doesn't really necessarily signify ghost in the same way of where she starts calling her the name of the person you know she's going to end up marrying uh as they walk towards the silo together and and has to live with the fact that she's being like forgotten by the time loop that was literally the thing that really hooked me was the moment that um she calls anna kazuhiko was like mm-hmm. oh okay like there's a there's like something happening here and I wasn't trying to solve a mystery in my head anymore because like, yeah, I think I spent a lot of this movie like kind of trying to like puzzle together. Like, wait, what is, what's going on? Um, and the moment that that happens, it transformed in my head from, I need to figure out the machinations to like, something is happening. The movie's going to explain this. Um, and also leave some things open-ended like that exact that exact moment like 
is where the movie pivots for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, um, like, I, I think a, a trick that I think the movie pulls that is good, and I kind of also, like, don't know how I feel about it, is that, like, Marnie is not in the movie. I almost said Marnie is not there. <laughs> Marnie uh, does not show up in the movie for quite some time. We just see... The first act is mostly Anna just being sad, and I kind of, I liked that stuff. I also kind of wonder if having her show up earlier in the movie would have kind of, like, given the first part of the movie, like, kind of, like, the kick in the pants to get moving that it, I thought it needed, maybe? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The problem is it already, I feel like, goes one scene a little too far in the incredulity of them talking about interacting with each other like mm-hmm. it's like what like do you just bring up the part where she's from the past like you clearly know she's the past look at her you went to the party with all the people from the past can yeah. we talk about this once ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's like because once they go to the party i was thinking i was like okay well this is obviously in the past look at how everybody is dressed is anna not gonna ask where did all these people come from <laughs> because mm-hmm. i haven't seen any of these people around um i also like i kept finding my mind wandering to like what is this situation where like marnie's european parents have a vacation home in the japanese countryside her um, her dad is her dad is foreign her mom i think is meant to be read as japanese okay okay that makes that makes more sense because yeah i could i could not parse where all these people were coming from unless they were flying out specifically to this vacation home which i guess they probably were but, yeah um, my assumption my assumption is and i understand like part of this is it's adapting a book about like britain like the original like the original book is not does not take place in japanese in japan right um and so they adapt it for a japanese market so they place in japan but it has this weird like riff of like her dad is like a post-war industrialist who married a local girl and settled down in japan right like it's fucking weird yeah (laughs) and then and they just live and then they live like flappers even though it's not if it's if it's like 60 years before this movie it's the 50s not the 30s but we the, none of the timeline works you can't think about it that way <laughs> well the, one of the things that tipped me off to it, before i figured out before it was like abundantly obvious that uh marnie was her grandmother i was like okay so there's some time stuff here i wonder if they're somehow connected to each other because they're the two people named Anna and Marnie while everybody else in the movie is named Yoriko and Hisako. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they mention she's like they're like, oh you have you have a foreigner's blue eyes and the only other blue eyed person is her is I guess her eventual like great grandfather, like Marnie's dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, something had tipped it had tipped me off, but I was just like that was just like a weird like you know my mind's just wandering because um that's what minds do (laughs) that Mm -hmm. doesn't actually matter i don't think i mean there was a there was a brief period in this movie where i was convinced that we're gonna find out that like uh hisako the like middle-aged lady who paints is marnie grown up or whatever that's what i thought Or, or i thought that hisako was going to be like marnie's secret girlfriend um mm. and marnie was going to have died in the silo at some point um oh, and that, yeah that there would be something gay in this movie but it would be kind of abstracted as a generational thing and not mm. um anna and marnie being involved um 
that's the that's definitely the European version of this movie when they make it. Is she goes up to that silo and she finds like a sad skeleton of a girl who died in the silo decades ago. <laughs> you start to I that was literally the thing that ran through my head is like, okay, she's gonna go to the top of the silo and find a skeleton, and then I was like, well, that wouldn't make any sense because somebody in the last you know, fifty years would have gone in this silo and been like, Hey, it's fucked up that there's a skeleton here. Who is this? He's just like hidden in a wall or something. You don't know. <laughs> um, it's like um, it's like the ring where they get they get they finally get in the well and they find the body. You're like, how did no one know there was a body down here? And it's because ghost reasons. I've never seen the ring. Oh, okay. Ring's really good. You should watch the ring. I should watch. I don't the know ring. how much you like horror or not, but the ring's really good. I used to like horror more as a teen, um, and, like, the last couple of horror movies I've watched, I've, like, been into it again, and I'm like, okay, I need to explore this, but I haven't, really. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things. Um, we're talking about The Ring. Are we done talking about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's weird, because, like, I feel like this is super slight, um, but I, I just enjoy it. I just thought this mm-hmm. movie was like a nice mellow, mellow, mellow melodrama. My God. Anyway, it's quiet. <laughs> it's beautiful. Everyone's like nice. And like the, the relationships are small. There's nothing at stake really, but in like a normal way, not in like a weird, like it's about how empty it is or whatever. Like there's, there's ways to do this where it feels too slice of lifey. This is just a movie about some people in a, in a house in the woods in, near the, a beach. And it's fantastic on that level. Uh, I, that's all I'm asking out of cinema. I just want some stories about some people going through some shit. Uh, that's all you need to do. Human stories. And Ghibli can just do this. You don't need Takahata. It helps. Oh, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's gone. Uh, Miyazaki can't do this if it fuck his life depended on it. Uh, but he's retired right now, so fuck him. <laughs> um, they had someone who could do this, and then he left and made a fake Ghibli movie that seemingly is bad. I don't know. Um but you see, like, I see here, I'm like, oh, the studio could just quietly make these, and they don't have to be, like, your name, which is, like, in a lot of ways, formally similar to this, but it's like a movie about literally a threat from space destroying a town because it's fucking stupid. It's a bad <laughs> so, movie. I was listening to, because a while back I was trying to, like, listen to Gundam and VoIP Life from the start, uh, uh-huh. and so at some point... I was I got to an episode where you two had watched your name um and oh. decided to spoil it and I was like okay sure I'll find out what your name is and when I get to the part where you're like okay and so then yeah some aliens come down I was like what no the it's not fuck? an alien a meteor hits the town and she's been dead for like a year to a certain amount of time that he's been interacting with her because the fucking meteor hit the town and erased it it's so fucking funny <laughs> um. I think, uh, I think I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about Kiki again, because, mm-hmm. like, uh, all I really want from a movie is, like, lavishly animated, like, bullshit, and mm-hmm. this movie has a little bit of, like, lavishly animated food in it, and mm-hmm. I think if, like, maybe the setting of this movie had hooked me a little bit more, I would just think of this movie as, like, the nice little melodrama with, like, really cool food and, like, you know, pastoral Japanese countryside. Yeah. The, uh, the thing, the thing is, this movie has. I think we talked about it on from up on Poppy Hill. It just has the modern Ghibli house style. It could be any of the movies, uh, like after they went digital in terms of like look. Yeah. There's nothing that stands out about the aesthetic here. Yeah, I think if it had, um, 
I think if it hadn't looked like the last 10 movies we had watched for this podcast, other yes. than Kaguya, I think I would have been a lot higher on it. Or if it had, if it had, you know, like the town in Kiki that like was just really amazing to see or mm. um, any number of other like, like if it had like the setting that Porco Rosso has that is like so unique, like if it just had another little hook like that visually, like aesthetically, I probably yes. would be a lot higher on this movie. So, yep. Um, there's also the weird plot point, and I think this just speaks to like this. Only, this movie only works if this character is 12 years old, where she is like withdrawn and depressed, not because she has asthma, but because she realized that her foster parents are getting like stipends for taking care of her, but doesn't bring this up to anyone, mm -hmm. uh, in her life. No friends, no, not, not her foster family, whatever. Just like buries this as like, oh, they, they only pretend to love me because they're getting payments. Um, and maybe it's like a, a a cultural thing, but like foster parents get money for taking care of that, you know, like, yeah. And that's not a bad, it just happens. Like you get money from the government. That's how this works. Yeah. I was perplexed by that plot point a little bit. It was nice when, um, it's nice when Anna and her foster mom like reconcile that and like, um, I guess it's like, it works because she's 12 years old that she probably didn't realize that and um, her foster parents have, are spending this summer trying to get the nerve to, like, tell her that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, also, like, the original book's written in the 60s, so maybe, like, the cultural, like, you know, talking about being adopted or foster parenting was different back then. Mm, I don't know if this yeah. is in the original novel or not, but it's such a weird plot point to bring up in like a movie from 2014. You're like, who ca nobody cares. It, you can just talk about this. <laughs> it really feels like we need um, some sort of conflict between her and her foster parents. Um, what is it going to be? All right. It's that because we, what we actually want is like some big reconciliatory moment, um, at the end of the movie. Um, it feels like an afterthought a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, because the thing that she's actually sad about is that her parents are dead. Yeah. Um, which is good. I, at one point early on, I was afraid this movie was going to end with her, like in the woods, having an asthma attack and dying and also becoming a ghost. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, I thought she was think... gonna. I thought she was gonna get my girl in her own goddamn movie, which would have been wild. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Is, is my girl still a, ref a reference that plays to people like your age? You know about my I, girl. I know about my girl. I don't okay. think I've seen it, but like I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know, my girl's is famous and not particularly good movie about uh the daughter of a, a mortician uh played by dan Aykroyd. i don't remember the name of the the late the girl who plays her um my girl film and she hangs out and is just kind of like weird because her her dad runs a funeral home and she's around dead bodies all the time um and she uh anna Chlums chlumsky right uh and uh she befriends uh macaulay culkin and they hang out and it's like th this young romance thing and then he's allergic to bees and gets stung by bees and dies and that's what happens in the fucking movie her friend dies <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think she was gonna die i did think because there's all the moments of her like kind of hallucinating question mark and i thought we would get a bit more of an answer to that and i thought that like she was gonna have an asthma attack in the woods and almost die and then like get found by sayaka which i guess does happen um but it doesn't always feel connected to the asthma stuff um mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is a lot of her running through the woods for someone with asthma. I was like, damn, are we like building up to the point where she gets an attack in the middle of nowhere? And she's like, Marnie, help me. And Marnie's like, what's asthma? I live in the 30s. Uh, she also, um, in the scene where she uh, insults somebody at the um, festival, like, she runs off, and I thought that was going to be a big scene, because there's, like, a couple shots of her, like, huffing and puffing as she's running, and she, no, she just keeps trucking, she just keeps running. <laughs> it was very, Great. um, I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Great. Does that take us to questions? Do we have questions? Yeah, yeah, we can go to questions. I feel like we've talked. I was looking up the plot of My Girl 2 because they made a sequel to My Girl. No fucking uh, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, she, like, moves to, like, she moves to with her in with her mother or whatever, which is, like, in Los Angeles and meets mm -hmm. a boy who does not die in the course of the movie, as far as I can tell, but is played from the by the boy who was in um, Last Action Hero, uh, which nobody cares about but me. I just happen to like a Last Action Hero. So I, I think it would be great if this was just a series where she meets people who <laughs> Boys die. <who> die. <laughs> Uh, it's just that fucking goofy tweet, I hate when boys die. We have some questions. We have one from Joe. Uh, I don't know if this... Oh, podcast. Send them the podcast at normalmapping.com. I can't fucking talk tonight. Uh, I'm sleepy. Uh, Joe writes in, I don't know if I like this movie or not. Mostly pretty breezy movie about how their mothers will literally send their children to live with distant relatives instead of paying for therapy. Uh, but a few things weird me out. To be fair, it is on the pretense of like, you know, you get out into the wilderness and your lungs will clear up, which... Uh, I don't know if that's, I feel like no one in America says that, but I feel like literally everywhere else in film that I've seen, people always go into the countryside to recover from illnesses. This is like the third Ghibli in a movie in a row where somebody has gone to the countryside. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, it's like litters like European literature. Is this real? I don't know if this is real or if this is just like some like holdover from like, we used to live pastorally. And if we get back to nature, clearly we will be restored and it's all fake. I have no idea. Right in. If you know about the history of going into the wilderness to recover from tuberculosis or asthma or anything else. <laughs> oh, can I say something totally unrelated for a second? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of cool shots around the house because her uncle is a carpenter of just like a lot of like cool, just like unadorned white birch. Um, yes. That like, you know, like the table and the bed frame and all that. That shit's cool. Every time that's on screen, I was like, this movie rules. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. The house is so great. She goes into the, she's like, she goes in that bedroom that they make up for her. They're like, oh, we cleaned up this room and it's like the most packed with interesting stuff room still. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I was, I, 
my main pastime watching this movie was like looking at the background, like, oh, that's a nice little Chemex they've got. <laughs> yes, the, the, I, I noticed that also. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, first part is the final twist of this movie is a little uncomfortable because it couldn't read the protagonist's interactions in a way that wasn't romantic until the point of the reveal. Uh, the second me is me realizing that for all the buzz around Ghibli young uh, female protagonists, most of their stories are so focused on being nostalgic for the past that they haven't lived or learned by second hand. Uh, my question, how do you feel about the way intergenerational friendships are used in Ghibli movies and the way it relates to the constant theme of contrast between urban and country lives? Um, I'm trying to think what other intergenerational friends have we had? We've had Porco. We've had, um, I mean, you could say you could say like um, Spirited Away has some of this in it. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess how I'm... old? How old is Totoro? Acquiring <laughs> minds must know. <laughs> um, what was the question? I totally like. I oh, just uh, inter- intergenerational intergenerational friendships and how they contrast like the urban uh, country like living way of these movies. The thing I like about this movie is that like nobody in the countryside is like like I like Only Yesterday. I think we're gonna come out of this and be like, man, Only Yesterday is like the best or the second best Ghibli movie, depending on which one of us you ask. Um, but that movie is like into the idea of country living and farming as like uh, the way to good living. And everyone in this movie just kind of like, well, one, they're not in the real countryside. They're literally just off of a highway. And like this place used to be great. And then they built the highway and it sucks here. And everyone just kind of like sad adults. Like it's very low key. There's nothing like super glamorous. There's like, it's glamorous because everything in Ghibli is glamorous, but it's not, it's not the same as when they farm all the tomatoes and are like, this is the way it is to like really live yeah. on the land and understand things. Their, their big like summer activity is doing trash pickup by the highway that runs, yes. runs through town. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like the the like the like wise character it literally just doesn't say anything. Like he's just a guy who likes fishing and he'll take you out if you're nice to him and that's it. <laughs> I had a half a second where I was like, "Oh, is Kazuhiko going to be turn out to be this guy?" And it was already revealed that Kazuhiko had died and I just yes. forgot. And I was like, "Oh, is that going to be him?" <laughs> uh, I love that guy because he has he has like the Tintin eyes where he doesn't have any like sclera and he's his mouth his like mouth is just like a frowny upside down V. Love it. Love this guy's design the entire movie. He's good. <laughs> um I don't I don't I I don't have any thoughts about intergenerational friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh do the Ghibli movies that aren't directed by Miyazaki and Takahata feel as if they're trying to mimic the styles of either of the two? Um I mean visually they're all mimicking the Miyazaki style, which I feel like the Ghibli style is the Miyazaki style, right? Like unless right. you rest it away, like Takahata did sometimes. Yes, like and I, I wish that like they've got more money than they know what to do with. I wish that they spent that money like flexing a little more. You know, um, it is kind of disappointing that like much as I really liked from up on Poppy Hill, and I was warm on this movie, like, um. I just wish they looked a little more different than the other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder how true that is. Like, we say that, but, like, also, they don't put out a lot of movies, and, like, they, they have, like, I'm sure their merch arm is good, but we don't know who else has their fingers in that pie, necessarily. Like, mm. you look at stuff at, like, uh, where they they got outside funding, literally someone came in and paid to make uh, Kaguya. Princess Kaguya, yeah. Um, I wonder how, how 
true that is. I'm sure they do quite well, but I bet they don't do well in the way that, like, Disney does well. Yeah, I guess in my head, I guess in my head, like, this is still, like, oh, this is, like, anime Disney a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, associate them as, like, having shit tons of money that maybe... Maybe they do well for themselves, but not enough to, like, have a totally different style. Because, you know, that's also a huge investment if you're going to not do something in the house style. And yeah. a huge risk, because maybe no one goes to see it, because it doesn't look like a Ghibli movie. Yep. Uh, their total assets are 15 billion yen, which is actually, that's a lot of money. That's just a lot of money. Okay. That's like $150 million. Um, they have 150 employees as 2016, according to Wikipedia. So there's a lot of people who work there also. Yeah. I, uh, I would love to know what Hayao Miyazaki's net worth is. <laughs> um, let's see if Wikipedia has an answer for this. Uh, they do not. Um, um, did you have anything about Takahata and... No, I don't feel like people ape Takahata's style much. Um, No, I wish they did. I wish. Uh, Miyazaki's net worth, according to Google's card when I asked this, is $50 million. Seems low, honestly. Yeah, I assumed it'd be low. Yeah. Just just no one no one's doing exploitation for capital games like the Americans. We're just we're just brain broken about it. We have too many fucking billionaires that aren't dead yet. <laughs> the thing so I was listening to a podcast yesterday and apparently Bob Dylan like sold all of his um like the, all the publishing rights to his songs, all the like the mm-hmm. songwriting stuff. Um for 300 million and i think it just put in my head that like that's a normal amount for people to have <laughs> of like um i don't know that's all yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fair um uh tron writes in a couple questions uh, i think we covered a lot of these but uh this is a question for you have you ever explored an abandoned building i have not because i think they're scary i would not do this <laughs> um yeah they're scary i i would if I knew abandoned buildings near me, I would do that. Um, but I haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos of people doing that when I was a teen. Um, I used to do that back when it would just be like... Back when videos on YouTube were just literally like, Hey, my name's Mike. I'm going to go into this building now. And then he wouldn't fucking talk the whole time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to watch a video of somebody exploring an abandoned building, um, chances are that, like, they got permission from the guy who owned it to do that, you know, and, like, they're going to plug their fucking Squarespace ad halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, Tron also asks, uh, do you feel like uh, Anna's, like, mental state is wrapped up a little too tightly when he, she learns the stuff about Barney? Um I think it's interesting because I feel like the the focus for me is on that, like she's willing to like actually reach out to her mom and have a conversation and that's all that, that you, sometimes that's enough you like make one step you're like man my life is fixed now and it's not but you can believe it for that day yeah the thing that I found touching about the ending is not her mental state but her just being like I'm gonna go talk to Hisako and be like I have some great news I'm gonna write you. Um, her reconciling with her mom and her going and talking to this girl that she had this big argument with and being like, hey, I'm really sorry. Next summer, like, let's try this again. You know, like, not that I don't think she tidied everything up. I just think she went to a bunch of people and was like, hey, what if I tried, like, not withdrawing into myself anymore? 
you know, what if I tried to connect with these people? And it doesn't mean that, like, that girl is going to be her friend next summer, but we'll try. I think it's nice. All right. And then we have final questions from Santo. Um, I'm going to give the PS first. Was Marnie there? She was. Most important question. She was. She was. Once upon a time, not anymore. She's dead. Santo watched this movie just to email us, was Marnie there? And I think that's great. <laughs> uh, there is a, there is another question here. If you could hang out with a child version of any deceased person, who would it be and why? <laughs> Hitler to kill him. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of kids you need to hang out with and murder before they become adults. I guess if you really want to be responsible with this wish. <laughs> Who was famously a cool kid? I don't know. I assume uh, they all sucked. I don't think kids are like particularly fun. I don't want to hang out with a kid. Um. Yeah, like, my answer to this is, like, my own grandma. I think that would be interesting. I don't know. But also, she'd probably just be kind of a conservative. <laughs> I don't know. She probably wouldn't be that fun as a kid. She'd probably be like, I have to do laundry because, you know, it's the 1930s. and Yeah, my grandma grew up on, grew up on a farm with, like, six other kids. I don't I don't assume it's going to be, like, the most stimulating conversation in the world. <laughs> yeah, same, same, with, same with my grandma. Like, yeah. You know, um... I don't know. Who, who's a famous child? I don't need a famous child. Let me hang out with any cute baby. They don't have to be famous. That's way better than like a kid of a, that turns into a famous person. Um, You could, I guess you could choose like, maybe it would be interesting to choose like a famous athlete of just like, oh, I'm going to see like this guy, like how he used to play when he was a kid and just on the playground and he was just like really good at basketball or whatever. I don't just know. Gonna, just gonna, just gonna hang out with kid Tiger Woods and bully him into not playing golf. Be like, man, <laughs> golf sucks. <laughs> it's a stupid sport. <laughs> it's a stupid sport. <laughs> they need to get rid of it. It's destroying yep. the environment. Yep. Teach him a lot about land and water usage as a child. <laughs> never going to become a golfer. My my parents, in a desperate move to make me go outside at all, did one one summer buy me golf clubs and tried to get me to go golfing, and I went like twice. <laughs> I didn't even go golfing. I just like went to a driving range and hit stiff, and I was like, "This is fine, I guess." I can I go back to playing video games now. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love that. And then, then EA's got to rename their series. Uh, we're gonna have to like they never got Tiger Woods, so they had to use some old ass golfer, just like they did for like Madden, still called Madden, even though John Madden hasn't been relevant in two decades. That's right, Arnold Palmer's Pro Tour. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicklaus's PGA Tour 2021. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> this is dumb. This We're done with this podcast. Stupid fucking podcast. Did we even get to 45 minutes? Just barely. Uh, my thing says to 42, so no. I mean, maybe with music, I guess. Yeah, once we uh, get the music and the plugs. Speaking of plugs, where can people find you online? Well, first off, next time, we have one more movie. Oh, right. We have Earwig and the Witch. Oh, yeah. Uh, so send in emails about that. You can find it on HBO Plus or wherever you download movies from the internet. Uh, it just came out. So, you know, 
No one has a copy. I doubt anyone rushed out to buy the Blu-ray of the made-for-TV CG movie. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping it's fine. You know, Goro did all right last time. So I I saw some tweets about this movie today, actually. Okay, were they positive or no? Uh, they were negative, but I thought they were for dumb reasons. Okay, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, you can tell me about it as soon as we're done recording here. Um. But yeah, that, that's what we'll be doing. It'll be the last like movie movie we watch. We're going to watch that documentary. But like, if you want to send in emails about all of this whole goddamn project and how clearly a bad idea it was, you can do that. Podcast.normalmapping.com. <laughs> we will rank our movies at some point. It might be that episode. It might be episode after that. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't regret the project, but I do. I, I like podcasting with you. I think we picked the worst possible yeah. studio to do this with. Yeah, we, we really, that part we fucked up on. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. It's been fun watching us slowly lose interest and still keep doing it because, God damn it, we finish what we start in this house. <laughs> it really, it's you. It, if it was me, I would have, like, this would not still be going. I couldn't make it through The Legend of Korra. We had to stop in, like, halfway through the last season because I was like, I fucking hate this. Let's just stop. I will, I will say this. I'll watch every Ghibli movie again before I rewatch The Legend of Korra, so. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can find all of my podcasts at neuromapping.com. Uh, listen to Abnormal Mapping. It's a game club. We play a game every month. This month we are playing, uh, for whom the, the frog for whom the bell tolls. It has a Japanese title. And I also don't remember that one off the top of my head and Ocarina of Time. Both of them are very good games. I'm going to have a great episode. I'm going to drag Jackson kicking and screaming through a very good episode of Abnormal Mapping. If my life depends <laughs> on it. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, in my pinned tweet, there's everything. Um, what have I not plugged recently? I feel like I plugged Hot Singles last time. Hot Singles continues to get better. That show is fucking great. You should listen to Export Audio. I don't plug this very much, I guess. But, like, I just do a podcast with my favorite person in the whole universe, and it's a good podcast. Um, you can't just say that when your answer is your wife. <laughs> Yes, I love her. She's my wife. Autumn, Autumn, <laughs> pivoting to secret wife guy at the end of this project. I do a podcast with the best person in the world. Who is it? Oh, I couldn't tell you that. Sorry. I, no, no, that, that's not what I'm doing. I'm first of all, I've always been very openly a wife guy. I don't know where you're saying I'm a secret wife guy. It's my whole fucking Twitter brand. We make like three hundred dollars a month on Patreon. Me being a wife guy. That's the thing that's I true. do. God. Uh, you're, I guess you're not wrong. People should listen to hot singles. It's taught me a lot about music. Uh, it's good. I like it a lot. Expert audio is also good, but I don't think I learn anything listening to expert audio. <laughs> it's just like fun time. Um, yeah, Hot Seagulls is really fucking good. I've I've got my picks for the next two episodes, and we still haven't recorded like the next one. So you know, I think about this podcast too much. So it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll be back next time with the final actual fiction movie until they make another one until Miyazaki finishes the goddamn movie in 2026 or whatever. And we come back to record a bonus one of those, do, I guess. Um, do we think that Miyazaki will like live through the end of producing that movie? Yeah, I do. I think so. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Bye. Imagine everybody. how insufferable everyone's going to be if he doesn't though. Like, <sighs> oh, this is the movie died making. It's got to be the best movie ever. And everyone's, and we come in and we're like, man, this movie fucking sucks in the same way. All his movies fucking <laughs> suck. Actually. <laughs> it is Spit on be... his grave. <laughs> it's 
gonna be really funny when we show up three years from now. Like, I don't know why we were so mad about Ghibli all the time. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. <sighs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. I am not a